0: Welcome to another episode of the Zenpreneur Podcast, the show for entrepreneurs who want more money and less stress. The Zenpreneur Podcast is hosted by serial entrepreneur and high-performance coach Mario Lanzarotti. Listen as Mario and his inspiring guests share the insights, strategies, and habits that allow you to grow your business with peace of mind so you can enjoy more wealth and freedom. Learn how to build the mindset and habits you need to find the balance between a successful business and a thriving personal life. And now, here is your host, Mario Lanzarotti.
1: Hello and welcome, my friends. This is your host, Mario Lanzarotti. Welcome to the the Zenpreneur Podcast. Today, I have a very exciting guest. His name is Jeff Ashleman. He is an executive coach with 30 years of experience from Iraq combat to corporate boardrooms. This is going to be interesting. He embodies personal development, consistency, and tenacity, and his leadership thrives on clear vision and collaborative expectations. He's an expert renowned in building high-performance teams, emphasizing hiring the right talent, equipping them effectively, and holding them accountable for results. He champions a culture-driven approach, focusing on attracting top talent, strategic onboarding, And rigorous top grading. Now, here is where the juice is for our Zenpreneur listeners. He is very passionate in helping individuals achieve life harmony through his Zen for Success model. And that's exactly what I want to dive in right now. Jeff, welcome to the show. I'm excited.
0: Absolutely delighted to be here, Mario.
1: Jeff, you seem to be a fellow Zen appreciator. Tell us what is. Zen for success.
0: Zen for success for me is the model, unfortunately, that's kind of born out of tragedy for me. Um, It's through, you know, doing, even though I've done a lot in my life that's really worked out well, there's been handfuls of times where things haven't went well for me. And it's the classic example of where there are things that are going well in your life. Like for me, my career was an example of something that was always going well, but I did have other things that were occurring in my life. And that weren't you know what i really wanted and so where the zen came from me was it was really in the midst of my career and it was as i was on my improvement journey this self awareness and improvement but i was and i love to call these roles mario so i have all these roles in my life that were you know corporate executive and and father and husband and all these things and it's just you know life comes at you so fast right it's this is You know, the the age of information, I think I've heard it said, you know, we're in a we we have a wealth of information, but we have a poverty of attention. Right. Like in our Mm -hmm. own attention spans, you know, whether it be just between those roles, all those things that I just mentioned, or whether it be social media or, you know, there's a ton of great advice and information out there. But how do you sort through all that? And for me, I needed a touchstone in my life. And this Zen was the very first thing that I did. And I've got an entire, call it three legs of the stool, but one specifically is my day of Zen process in general, where I basically stop time for an entire day. And I don't always encourage my clients to do an entire day, but mm. I, 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 I try to model the way of what Zen for success. So I'll, I'll tell you the tagline and then you tell me where you want to go. Mm -hmm. The tagline for my day of Zen is checking out so you can check in, right? And the checking out is checking out on everything that I just mentioned. All of those roles, social media, like no, tomorrow is actually my day of Zen. It'll be the the last Friday of this month and nobody's going to get me tomorrow. And- And I'll go into that process from there, and we'll talk about what we're checking in on. I'll I'll okay. pause to see if you want to go anywhere specific.
1: This is this is, this is good. This is really good. Okay, mm-hmm. so tell us about that. I want to know why do you do that, and how does it look like specifically?
0: Sure. So first of all, I'll talk about the why, and I like the i I like to use the term white space. So it gives me white space to do two different things. One, when I say check out of my day to day, that means I'm not going to do a workout. I'm not going to do, I'm not going to the office. I'm not staying at my house. I totally believe in like changing your environment. Now, I'm a guy that likes a lot of outside. The outside inspires me. And that could just be going down to the street, down the street to the park, you know, where there's a pond and ducks and all that. Or I fortunately live in the Southwest and in Arizona where I get a chance to go to places like Sedona or the Grand Canyon and these Beautiful, epic places that are way bigger than me. And, but even if I just go to the park or you go to your local park, you can go there and get away from your day-to-day activities. And so that's a big part of the equation. So what, what it gives me white space to do two different things. One is a wholesale review of the previous month. Now, I have more written goals than anybody that I've ever met in my life. I haven't met everybody. But of the people I know, and I know a lot, I have more written goals than they do. It's because I found the secret to success and it's in goal achievement. And I'm really, really good at it. So I review all of my goals and I review all of my vital metrics. And vital metrics are things like how much money's in my savings account? How much money's in my 401k? What's my body fat percentage? I said that I was going to have this many masterpiece days in this previous month that I get that many. So all of my vital metrics, and then I do, this is building out the plan for the next month. The question you asked me before we started airing was, how am I doing? And I said, crushing it, right? And I Mm -hmm. know that I'm crushing it because it's the second, it's actually the third to the last day of the month right now. And I know where I'm at on my goals for this current month. But I also know that I have my day of Zen tomorrow, and I'm going to build a plan for this next month that. I'm excited about before I've even built it. And by the time tomorrow ends and all those goals are laid out for this next month ahead of me, I am super energized about what's going to happen. So it gives me the white space to do the two different things, reflect and then speculate on the future and what can I do? Now, the second Mm -hmm. kind of white space it gives me is because life is always coming at us really fast, right? We always think like I use these examples, like, so let's say you have a child and all of a sudden they start struggling in a particular subject in school and you need to come up with some strategy around, you know, am I going to commit the time to help them? Are i going to tutor, you know, or the example that I've been using now a lot more in my life is I have aging parents. And so there's going to come a time where, you know, like they're going to need a different level of care, that kind of thing. And we tell ourselves like when things like this come up, like. When are you ever going to have time to just sit down and think about? It? You tell yourself like, oh, I'll do that on Saturday, right? Because it's not a work day, and and you know, in between the soccer game and the you know, my other my dinner date with my spouse, you know, I'm going to take an hour and a half, and I'm going to think about you know, my aging parents. I'm like, that mm-hmm. ah, it doesn't work like that because even in between those things, you'll put your you'll finally sit down in your sofa or your easy chair, and you'll put your feet up, and you'll say, boy, that's the first time I've had that, you know, and. In eight or ten days, and you're like all of a sudden not remembering you know that you need to do that that ninety minutes, so mm. anyway, those are the things that it gives me is is really the white space, and I love the whole checking out the check in part because that checking in is on you, and you know the part we didn't even hit on right here is the physical you the what is your physical vitality, what is your mental vitality, and maybe if we can get into it, mario, I'll even talk about my idea about being a hero right
1: Mm -hmm. I love that so if I understand it correctly your your zen checkout day a month is essentially a day for awareness where you check in with yourself how am I doing how am I feeling you check in with your goals your metrics have I been performing the way that I said I would and then based on that you then craft the plan for sort of the next month correct Now, would you recommend doing this on a piece of paper, like all handwritten? Do you say it's okay to take technology? Do you do like a complete cut off from technology? What does that look like?
0: Well, I cut myself off from technology for that day. Mm -hmm. But well, when I say cut myself off, I mean, my goals reside on a spreadsheet and documents and, and I use that. But do you have a system in place where you could utilize that and not turn on your computer where automatically you're going to start getting news feeds and you know social media popping up in your face like you know I'll 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 touch my pocket right here that has my that has my iPhone in it right so you have to decide for you like what's your relationship with your iPhone can it be in the same room with you can it be in the same house with you can it be right beside you it's different strokes for different folks right like it it it's whatever whatever works for you, whatever resonates, um, whether it be, you know, for goals, I always like to start handwritten. There's something magical about when an idea come. you know, journaling is a very powerful exercise to help you get to written goals. But when, and so I always start my goals in handwriting, just like I do my journal, mm-hmm. because I think there's something magic when something comes out of your head and it ends up coming off the end of a pen or a pencil onto a piece of paper, but then I do roll those written goals into a document that's much more professional and pretty if we're going to talk about the one page plan we could talk about that as well.
1: Yeah uh, you, there's a lot of things that I want to talk about is, I'm already enjoying this a lot. Let's talk about goals. goal setting you know you said you are you are the one person that you know of that has the most written down goals. Why is it important in your opinion to write down goals? And to write down as many as possible. If I understand correctly, that's one of your ways of achieving those goals.
0: Sure. Well, first of all, I would say the why is the most possible is a me thing, right? And we can talk about that. The why is writing important? Because Mm -hmm. if you're not articulating your thoughts out of your head and on paper, or the, the term that I love to use, Mario, is in a system, right? So if you have a trusted system, this is coming from an operations guy. So if you have a trusted system. That you're following, just like my Zen is a part of the entire system. It's not, it's part of the magic of the entire program. And believe me, when I say magic all these times, I don't mean like the woo woo magic. I mean like the beauty of when you're doing something well and you can, when you expect results and they happen. That's what I call magic, right? Mm. So, so, um, so the, the, I forgot where I was going with that now. Sorry. (laughs)
1: We were talking about goals, right? Writing down goals and why you need to write down goals. And you were saying how when you don't write it down, it all stays in your head and there's no clarity around that. So can you elaborate? What's the difference between the person that achieves his or her goals effectively and the one that doesn't?
0: It's a combination of things. It's it's either the system, right? So part of the system is if you don't write your goals down, you they're just rolling around in your head, and those are vague notions, right? And that doesn't mean that people don't get what they want when they think about it. But the when you put it into a system, and then you in, incorporate two other things, support and accountability. And when you have those things going on, and then the magic that we haven't talked about yet is personal development, right? So the the if there were any real magic in anything that we're talking about so far, it's when you write down a goal that is bigger than you are, right? That's a part of being a stretch goal, right? And when you write that down and you have to learn something new or do something new to achieve it, that is growth, right? And th- that's a part of the fulfillment of life is Purpose, like living your life on purpose, there's an element of growth to that. That that's why you know when you, they do studies and they take apart people that live a hundred years old. I mean, it's it's clearly you know their nutrition and other things of that nature, but it's having something to live for. That's why you know the average age of people who live past retirement, at least in the United States, is it's an abysmal abysmally small number of years that people live beyond retirement. Because if they don't have something, maybe that purpose that they got from their career and they don't have a direction, it, it doesn't have a great outcome. So good, purpose good and point. growth. Yeah.
1: Great, great points. And I'm, I'm fully there with you. And now before we dive deeper, there's a lot more that I want to ask you about this. I want to take a few steps back. I know that you are a, a man of the military and that you have had quite the wild experience in in life, let's call it that. And you talk about having had an awakening in two thousand eight. So what I'm curious to understand, Jeff, is what happened that got you onto this path of Zen for success?
0: Sure, it it was you know like one of these iconic moments where you for me it was a health situation, and I wouldn't even call it a health scare, right? Some people, you know finally wake up when they have the heart attack and they don't die. Fortunately, I didn't have to get to that stage, but I was sitting on the crinkled up paper, you know, at the doctor's office and this is, you know, 2008. So he was getting ready to write on an old school prescription pad, a, I don't know, a drug for like cholesterol lowering medication. And I was sitting there on his crinkled up paper, you know, 125 pounds overweight. And when he, I knew it was like, it was like a, it was like a switch in my head as I saw him writing on that pad. And I knew Mario before he tore that page off of that pad that I wasn't going to get that prescription filled, but I took mm-hmm. it out of his hands and I walked out of his office with my proverbial tail between my legs. And I took that prescription home and I set it by my coffee pot. And I, and I won't say out loud right now what I said in my head, but with something along the lines of you fat and then another F word, right? you know, that, that, you know, what got you here, right? Like look in the mirror. You are the one that, that led to this point and you better start doing something different or you're not going to be here for your kids or the rest of your life. And it starts with this cholesterol medication. And that's how it started for me. And so I just asked, I started asking myself way better questions. I started pouring different things into my head. I started listening to like Tony Robbins and Jim Rohn and. Earl Schof and Earl Nightingale and all these people that filled my head with ideas that were like, okay, well, start thinking different than like what you just see in society and start learning different, start taking different actions. And that was kind of my crucible moment.
1: Mm. Now I want to dig a little deeper. What got you to that point in the first place? Have you done some... And I'm assuming you have reflection on sort of past traumas, why you ended up making these choices that got you to that dark place.
0: I have, I I went all the way back in 2018. It was 10 years from my awakening. And I, I did a whole year where I did a year of reflection on what had changed in my life. And what it was for me is, and it was, it was almost more like the hedonic American dream, right? I got out of the military. I got married right away. I went to work in corporate America. I was doing great. I had all of the toys and I had 2.5 kids. And <clears throat> and then there was the comma, but, right? The comma, but was I was spending between me and my wife, we were spending 140% of what we made, you know, like money on credit cards, So you got a big house and nice cars and toys, and you're trying to, you know, keep up with the proverbial Joneses, right? And I had kids and they're all wearing the, you know, best clothes and going to good schools. And, and, you know, it was things like that. And I felt like I was doing great because my career, I could always just make more money, right? And pour it into the pot. But, you know, all along the way, look, you know, my relationship with my first wife was, you know, let's say I was 17 years into a bad you know, marriage, but I was like sticking with it for the kids, you know, that kind of thing. But when you're sticking with it for the kids, at least in my case, then, you know, I was kind of numbing out with alcohol and, you know, I started gaining a little weight with each kid and never lost any of that. And then the next thing, you know, I woke up and I was, you know, sitting on crinkled up paper in the doctor's office and I was about to be bankrupt. I had 125 pounds to lose. I was about to be divorced. Again, I had the, and I'm not proud of any of those things, Mario, but what I am proud of is that I figured it out and I brought myself from, you know, what was seemingly the lowest point in my life. And now I've built this life where, you know, I'm in, in my terms, I'm crushing it.
1: Mm, That's beautiful to hear. Thank you for sharing that. Sure. Now you are also obviously a coach and I am curious to hear what do you see in your clients and you working with executives, with leaders, business owners, high performers? What do you see in them that has the potential to take people down on this path unless they have an intervention, unless they work with somebody like you?
0: Sure. It it It's a little bit we've touched on it before is. They either don't have the awareness, right? Because I've mentioned before, and we all know this, you're in life, you're running really hard, trying to be a good spouse and a good parent or a good sibling or a good friend or a good at your job or physically healthy. Again, roles and all these things that happen in our life. I love to use the analogy of plate spinning, right? Like if you could get all those plates up and you're spinning them. And I've gotten as good as you can get at plate spinning. The problem was... I was spinning plates, but I wasn't fulfilled, right? Mm. Or I tried to spin even more and more plates until one or two of them wobbled and fell off and they were my physical health or my relationship. So, you know, the wrong place to go. So what I see in my clients is the same thing that I was seeing in myself, which is if you don't have awareness of where you are, and that's what I get from the Zen process, or if you don't have a clear vision of what you want out of life, And again, that's back to the one page plan. That's what I call my North Star, and that's where my goals live. If you don't have that North Star and you don't have awareness, and then again, I'll use this word of system. If you don't have a way to systematize all that, and my way to systematize that at the most granular level is on a daily basis on a process that I call carpe diem, where you, I use the term operationalized. So you operationalize what you do on the one page plan on a day-to-day basis with a carpe, So of course, Carpe Diem is seize the day, right? So what we do every day matters mm-hmm. and it matters way more than people give it credit for, right? So mm-hmm. if, if you were to go through the McDonald's drive through and, you know, eat a Big Mac and you fell over dead of a heart attack, you know, right away, nobody would go there, right? But it doesn't work like that. But if you go through the McDonald's drive-thru every day, You can be more than 100 pounds overweight, I know, because I've done it, right? And just like nobody goes to the gym, works out hard and gets ripped, right? You have to go every day and put in the work if you want to be physically fit. So again, what we do every day matters, including our sleep, our nutrition, our fitness, the way we think, being mindful. There's a grocery list of things that we should be Mm. doing every day if we wanna live a rich and fulfilled life.
1: Yeah, yeah, beautiful answer. Awareness, I talk about this all the time with my own clients, I'm, I'm right there with you in terms of seeing this as the key to pretty much everything, unless you're aware of where you are where and where you're headed, there's no way that you can actually make a change. What are some of the practices, you mentioned Zen, that you are using your own awareness, and also that uh, help guiding your own clients to have a greater sense of awareness.
0: Sure. Well, let's start with me. And if you go out to the, or let's start with you, right? I love mm-hmm. to have people go out, think about uh, Stephen Covey's Seven Habits. In the book, he mentions the eulogy exercise, where you go all the way out and forecast to your death. And you imagine, you know, you're there at the eulogy, but you're in the box what do people say about you? And depending on what they say, here's a better question, is that okay? And if it's not, then making a decision about what you're going to do in this era of your life, before you get to that inevitable end, what are you going to do differently? Mm -hmm. And then so outside of the Zen for me, which is self-reflective, I'm also a part of an accountability group. So I get together with a group of people on a weekly basis. We set our goals quarterly, but then we check in with each other, not only weekly, we check in with each other daily on what our progress is. So those are the brands of awareness that that work really well for me personally. Again, way big picture, monthly basis, almost daily with an accountability group. And then it's the same thing with the clients. And that's that's really why people are looking for coaching. They're looking for a perspective shift that is different than their own and i can I can relate this to when I played football back in high school, right like when when that when that coach picks you up off the ground when you fall with your face in the dirt, right, and he picks you back up and he says, you know very lovingly, which i'm you know this is sarcasm dripping, right when he says very lovingly, you know, you can do better than this. And it sounds just (laughs) like that on a football. (laughs) field, Yeah. And so it's perspective. And, and Mm. I think that's what coaching, I mean, for one coaching is perspective and, and then second, it's the support and the tools. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Do you use meditation in any form for these Zen practices?
0: Absolutely. That that's on the Carpe Diem first thing in the morning. It's, I mean, out, outside of stumbling out of bed and turning on my coffee, it is literally the first thing that I do every day.
1: Mm. Is there, what kind of meditation do you do? Is that a specific one?
0: I do I do a three-part series. And so uh, let's just put in a little commercial for meditation right here. So, mm-hmm. or, or let me tee you up. Like it is one of the hardest things that I've ever had to develop in my life, ever. Mm. And so I've went like whole, I I remember going a year and a half from like 2015 to 2016 where I didn't have a meditation practice and I was trying to create one. And this is down to the like, I was just trying to do like a minute each morning and you know, monkey mind is going on and all that. And you know what? Maybe it'd be fun if I told you what my breakthrough was. My breakthrough was when I finally heard a meditation from Wayne Dyer.
1: It was Um. called
0: Getting in the Gap. Mm-hmm. And it, and again, it's different strokes for different folks. So try that on for size. If it doesn't work for you, not shame on Jeff, right? But it worked for me. And so now, what I do specifically, Mario, to really answer your question, is I do a three-part series where, let's see, for the previous five previous five years, I was doing fifteen minutes. So I do three stanzas of five, and in 2023, I just bumped it up to six minutes apiece. So the first six minutes, I just follow my breath. For the second six minutes, I do a mantra. And my mantra is the same one that I got from Wayne Dyer out of that, out of that getting out of the gap, which the, the mantra is, ah, which Wayne Dyer said was the most prevalent sound in the name of all of the names that God has was, ah. And I thought it was beautiful. Still use it today. And then the last uh, six minutes, I call sending love, and that 's a practice that I got from Darren Hardy, where I pick three people every day, different people, all the time, and I virtually send them love just for my thoughts for that last six minutes and so that 's my practice
1: mm-hmm. that's a powerful practice i i I can relate to all all of the parts of the practice, and I can see why you are where you are in life because of the power of these practices now. I want to dive a bit deeper into what you call your one-page life plan. Tell Correct. us about this one one-page life plan. It sounds amazing. It sounds like something that I want to take on myself.
0: Absolutely. This is actually just a direct lift from my corporate world, and I didn't even mention this about the day of Zen. But the idea that I got from my day of Zen was when I was working in corporate, we worked with a outside corporate consultant and coach who came in and worked with us every quarter. And we took time away from the office, like all the leadership team. We went to an offsite location and we did essentially the same things I was talking about with my day of Zen. And then we created a one page plan. So we literally Mm -hmm. ran our entire business off of a one page plan. And so I morphed all of these things. And you know how it worked out for me, Mario? It, It was probably like, the 31st of, uh, 31st of March. And I, the reason I know that is because I was up until like, you know, 10 o'clock at night and I'm trying to like hammer out goals and get them off of my list because I know that I need to go that next day. The quarter was ending. Right. And I worked in corporate. So I was hammering out these goals and getting them done, you know, so I could go to that meeting the next day and say that I checked the box and I was done. And my epiphany was like, why don't I do this in my personal life? Like, why am I not up until 10 o'clock at night, like trying to figure out my own personal fitness or any of this stuff? And and it just kind of dawned on me that, again, this was a system that was coming from corporate, right? Even go to the most basic, like when you were asking me about why do people not have goals? Like if you work in a company, especially if you work in a public company or a big company, you've got work goals. You've got career goals because that's what it demands. The question is like, Well, why don't we have that in our personal life? And so that was the question that I had for myself. So this one-page plan for me, now that I've morphed it into my personal life, and this was, I don't know, probably 12 years ago. I've been doing the Zen process for 15 years now, and then the one-page plan for probably 10 or 12. And so the one-page plan has core values, core competencies, purpose, yearly goals, The corporate version had quarterly goals. Mine has monthly goals for, and so let's talk about those real quick. Why do we do core values? Why do we need to say out loud, like what is important to us? And the short answer is just like those goals, when it comes out of your head and it ends up on paper, I'll tell you this, my one page plan tells me as much about what I'm not going to do as it does about what I plan to do. Right. Mm -hmm. So, so core competencies, what are you good at? Right. And not only what are you good at, but what does the world need? So if you can combine those two things, and then you can roll it into a powerful purpose statement. I have an entire paragraph that's my sole purpose in life and what I'm trying to do. And I love the tagline right at the very end because it summarizes my life in in just a handful of words. And it says, I want to be happy with what I have, comma, while I pursue what I want. And I will live my, I will live my entire life and I'll die trying to do just that.
1: You know, the the last thing you just said, I think is so crucial to understand because a lot of, because what I'm hearing that in that is uh, you're happy in the moment, you're appreciating what you have and where you are and your happiness does not take away from your pursuit for more. Correct. But but your pursuit for more doesn't depend on your happiness.
0: Exactly. It's beautiful. So, you, so your pursuit Be- for beautiful more beautiful juxtaposition. Yes.
1: And and this is this is where ninety nine percent of the world is stuck. Right. They think if I'm happy where I'm at, I'm not gonna pursue more. Right. Right? And they only think
0: or they delay happiness for later, like someday exactly. aisle, right? Someday exactly.
1: aisle. Exactly. Now Speak into the difference because clearly you are operating from a different engine that allows you to be happy with what you have while also continuing to pursue more. So how is that different from what we just described?
0: Sure. And let's talk about one of these daily practices that comes very, very closely after meditation, Mm. which is gratitude. So here's what I ask my clients. Or if you go to my website and take the Harmony Assessment, it's going to ask you about gratitude. So I say, do you have a written, daily, intentional practice of gratitude? And if you don't, you are missing one of the biggest things in life. Because when you can get your brain to focus on what you already have in your life, guess what you're going to get? more of. When I went back across that whole 10 years and studied what had been different for me, the biggest thing was my own personal expectations. What I expected from me, what I expected from others that make me a better leader, and what I expect from the world. Now, does that mean that the world is you know, always a good place? No, it doesn't mean that. But if you start with your world and you make it a better place, guess what you're going to get more of? better
1: yeah totally this is this is the this is the one thing i think that transformed my life just like you said it was about it doesn't necessarily change the physical circumstances right away but it changes your experience of them and when it changes your experience of them it changes the degree of power that you hold because if you live in a small apartment that has just the basic of the basic and you walk around complaining all the time. Oh, this is so stupid. This is ugly. Oh, I don't like you, me. Why am I here? All that. You're now taking that sense, that energy, that attitude to life into your work. Sure. And so your work will be happening from a disempowered place. Right. And so I, I love what you're, what you're using there. And I want to dive a little deeper into this one page plan. Now you talk about purpose. I have a whole perspective on purpose, and I want to hear your perspective on purpose. What would you say is one effective way for a person to define the purpose that they have here in this world?
0: The very best way that I've found is to go through, um, reflect, I have like 27, (laughs) I've got like 27 reflective questions that you can ask yourself and I give this to my clients when they're trying to create their own purpose. Yeah. But here's the biggest thing I would encourage people to reflect on is what do you want in life that's bigger than you? So what like who do you want? What do you want? And what is bigger than you? The the people in your life. What if you want to if you want to uplift others? If you want to be a good wife, if you want to be a good husband, if you want to be a good son i and I want to be all of those well I don't want to be a good wife, mm-hmm. but you know you know what I mean <laughs> so it it it's when- when you can craft purpose that has a mission that is bigger than you, you want to do something in your life where you want to be a good person and impact other people in a in a better way, and when you don't just make it all and there's nothing wrong with. You know, saying I want to be physically fit or look good, or I want to have financial abundance, and all because I believe if you have financial um, abundance, you can then deploy that capital to not only your own personal lifestyle to be happy where you are, but you you could improve yeah. you know the rest of the world. So, I, that that's my idea is 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 creating you know asking reflective questions, empowering. Tony Robbins calls them ask ask empowering questions, right, and then. Mm. Think bigger than you how how can how can you influence in a really you know like for me, it was like raising really good kids, or for me as a leader, I wanted to create an environment where people could grow and they could do well in their profession, and if they wanted to invest in their own personal development and they wanted to take chances, then they could climb the ladder and be whatever level of success that that they wanted to
1: mm, that's a great answer. And I find what you're saying about the purpose being bigger than yourself, when something is bigger than yourself, the conversation to get yourself to do something that you don't feel like doing is a lot easier to handle because now right. it's not just about you, it's about so many other people that you have right. committed to impacting. And so there are bigger stakes and that creates a bigger drive. So I love that.
0: Do you, do you, mind, do you mind if I just touch on that hero piece here real
1: quick? Oh, of course.
0: So oh, yeah. I don't know if you're, if you're not familiar with the definition of hero, and I don't mean, you know, like on the big screen, killer of bad guys, that kind of thing. I'm talking about like the Greek origin word heroes, which literally means protector. And actually the secret strength of that type of heroes is love. And Mm -hmm. so the way that I like to tell my clients and what I tell myself, and that's what resonated when you added your part on the purpose there, was being a hero to me means having strength for two. It means strength for me and strength for something. Strength Mm -hmm. for me and strength for my wife. Strength for me and strength for my kids. Strength for me and strength for my organization. Strength for me and strength for the world. And so I mean physical strength uh mental strength, and spiritual—it's—it's the whole trifecta. So Mm. not just just close off on you know Mm. trying to be something bigger, trying to be something better.
1: I really like that, and I never, never, never knew that hero comes from the the Greek word "heroes," which means protector and protecting, protecting also with a sense of love, protecting what you love, protecting through love. I I think this is great. Thank you for sharing that. You Uh, bet. I'm learning new things here. This is great. Talk to me also about you have something in uh, in the way you communicate. You talk about harmony over balance. Now, there is a lot of stigma around balance. Um, If you go into the corporate world, you often get told that balance is this 50-50 thing that, that often I find is challenging for do, to do for people like you and I, uh, for entrepreneurs, for high performers, uh, executive leaders. So I want to understand what is your idea of balance? And then why do you choose harmony over balance?
0: Sure. I think when you're talking about balance, I love to use the old apothecary scale, right? With the bowls and the chains. And so, you know, and I'm fairly, I guess I would call myself infamous for goofing on work-life balance because I've been that corporate guy and I've you know, I've crashed my own vehicle. So are we somehow supposed to believe that we're supposed to put everything in one of those bowls that is about our work or our career and everything else in our life in another bowl and somehow they're supposed to like equal like that? It's just, so here's what I say about balance. It's the wrong measurement. So that's why I gravitate to harmony. So, and here's what the harmony concept means to me, Mario. I usually equate it to like one or two different things. First of all, like music, harmony, music can literally move us to tears. Depending on what, you know, type of music resonates with you, music can move you to tears emotionally. It is that beautiful. And by the same token, I love to think about athletics. And here's the example that I use, figure skating. And not just figure skating, like take the Olympics, for example, men and women competing, the the, mo- the most powerful and graceful people that train their entire lives to be there. And then two of them do it together. Now that, like when you see couples figure skating, to me, I can think of no more like beautiful and harmonic thing. And so that's what I'm trying to create in life is the sound of what that beautiful song, like what what moves you, right? Or when you see that type of pa- that performance that is both powerful and graceful and beautiful and in harmony. And I can think of no more worthy thing to work on in my life than to try and create that.
1: That's a really beautiful example that you're giving with this couple that is, dancing in, in harmony and the resonance that it creates the way that I look at that. Also, I'm, I'm right there with you in terms of balance. To me, balance is a, is being operating from a place of being in your center because you can work t- 10 hour days, you can work 12 hour days and you can still do it in a, from a place of harmony. You can still do it from a place of alignment. You can be in your center and that is the way that you do it. It's not necessarily what you but do, but it's how you do it, and so you bring harmony to whatever you are doing because somebody like me, you know, and I'm assuming you are the same in that or very similar. We just love what we do. We get so much out of that. So somebody coming and telling us, yeah, but you should spend at least two hours on the beach every day, and you know, uh, chill out in the evening, and don't don't you know, work past this point, and be like. That to me feels really limiting. I I love doing this and I don't see myself doing less of this at any point in my life because it's such a fountain of joy for me. So I like your analogy of of being of operating from harmony. Now, how does somebody do that? Like you're working with an executive, a business owner, they're stressed, you know, their their relationship isn't the greatest, they're not really present there. How do you get them to operate on a, uh, from a place of harmony? Sure.
0: So I'll, I'll I'll basically start with them, and and we'll we'll try and address any of the urgent things first. And I'll just yeah. do an assessment. Again, I've referred to it before, but you could take a harmony assessment on my website, and you could assess for yourself really quickly. Like, is there is there an element of your life where you might want to focus more attention? So we'll do an assessment, and then we'll start working on the most urgent. But then once we get to that point where we get stabilization, Mario, then I like to focus on the tools, right? It's go out and think, you know, maybe it's doing a eulogy exercise and thinking, you know, let's go out to the end of your life and think about, you know, what could or should be different. And then maybe it's not an entire day of Zen, but I'm, I yeah. encourage and I have to kind of baby step clients into this because <laughs> oftentimes in the beginning, you can't when you're busy, busy spinning the plates, just like I was you can't imagine yourself taking a whole day off to go, you know, sit, you know, out at the park, like I'm suggesting, but I say, okay, so just give me two hours. Or if you can give me four hours, and here's what I'm going to show you, you're going to give me the two hours, you're going to give me the four, and I'm going to show you the beauty and the power of doing it. And then you're going to want the whole day, right? Because I so look forward to that. And then we start once we get clarity, and we get them slowed down. That's what the day of Zen does. It's, It's slow down the chaos of life, right? And then we start working on the one-page plan. It's like, if you've done that eulogy exercise, and let's say you ask yourself some questions about what those folks were saying, you know, I wish dad would have played ball with me, or, you know, whatever you hear at that eulogy that you don't like, well, what can we start doing different now? And if we can identify that in our core values and our competencies and things of that nature, then we can let that live out in our purpose. We can let that live out mm. in, in, our, in our yearly goals, right? So that's what I do with my clients.
1: Mm. Can you speak into maybe an example of a client story that you have, one that particularly inspired you because it was so powerful?
0: Oh, yeah. <laughs> There's so many. So I, I have a client who is a budding author, and so let's see, we've been working together a little over a year. I remember a point where she wouldn't even do a social media post, right? Wouldn't even, you know, so I gave her the old Stephen Pressfield, you know, show me your crappy work. Like, I want to see, I don't care if you look like an idiot. I just want to see you push send on a post, right? And we started at that spot, right? Where she was able to finally, and in then in the post she did she hated. And I thought like, Oh my God, it took me like three years on social media to do a post that looked as good as yours. Right. So I was fine being an idiot and and she wasn't. So she brought her a game and it was beautiful. And then the next thing, you know, we're talking about, and she's a coach as well. Um, and what would it look like when your message lived out? And it just, it was so beautiful just in the last couple of months, she's written a journal style with self-reflective questions and. And and released it, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, this like totally exceeded my expectations." But it's it's just those, you know, those breakthrough. And again, that's coaching, and that's perspective, and that's giving people systems and tools. It's it's the beauty and co- it's 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 why I have a number of coaches myself, and then why I after retiring from corporate, I'm like, "This is I was made to do this. I got to do it." So that's that's one example.
1: <laughs> Isn't it amazing how Just one small shift can create such a ripple effect. I mean, now you're literally taking this person out of obscurity where she gets to be seen online, where people get to connect with her, where now people get to see that, okay, she's somebody that offers a service and she speaks to me. And now people approach her or she can approach people through that and they can start to work together. And because of that, she's now changing lives. So it's beautiful. I love that, you know, when, when, once people make a choice to decide to live a new life and to be the person that is required for this new life, everything starts to fall into place. And there's no, go, there's no way going back from that place. Hmm. I would love to understand also, you talk about embodiment. And this is something that I see in the world nowadays, which is a big challenge for many people, because as you started earlier on the podcast, you said we live in an information in, information overload age. Any, you know, the, all the books behind you, any book nowadays, you can throw into ChatGPT and it will give you an executive summary of the 10 most important points. You don't have to read the book. You just go from bullet point to bullet point to bullet point. And there are now so many people that create businesses and and courses based off bullet points that they have never really studied, that they've never really taken time to put to heart. So can you speak about what you see also, maybe that challenge when it comes to how do you bring information from the head into the body and you then live it?
0: Okay. Let's go two different ways here. First of all, let's throw down a little old school Gandhi, right? Which is be the change you want to see. That's embodiment right if if, if you 're going to get on here and preach and and you don't do the work if you don't do the reflection the meditation the if you don't do the push ups I do burpees i don 't know if you know what a burpee is, but
1: oh I, I love burpees I do eleven burpees
0: <laughs> I do eleven burpees every morning, and why do I do eleven burpees it 's not because I want to it 's because I told myself that i 'm going to, mm. and why do I do eleven and not ten because heroes do more mm. so if you want to be the change you want to see, Gandhi, right? And so now let's talk about that whole poverty of attention part, right? So we are rich with information. Yeah. ChatGPT can give us the bullet pointed summary and all of that stuff that you just mentioned, comma, but. You know what we're missing in life? Implementation. We don't need typically more learning. Now, I've used plenty of examples where I needed more learning. I found a little Tony Robbins, I you know, whatever. But I just didn't take in the information. I did the work. And that's what a coach gets their client to do, is do the work. And that's where that beautiful accountability piece comes in. So in my mind, the world doesn't need more learning. Of course, it does need more learning. But what it needs is more doing. You need to do the work.
1: Mm. Are you sure that... Gandhi didn't say talk about the change you wish to see in the world.
0: I'm pretty sure he didn't say that. <laughs> yeah.
1: But that's how many people are living nowadays in the world. They talk they act as if it's, but they're not really living it. So, what is an embodiment practice that you find really effective on this journey to becoming the change you wish to see in the world?
0: I give all of my clients a little a little mirror. So it's a little mirror you can fold up and put in your pocket. And Earl Nightingale called this mirror the magic mirror. He actually also called it a merciless mirror. And here's why. And this is what I tell the clients. Is this mirror holds the answers. If, if you want to find out where your problems are, or if you also want to find out where the solutions lie, look in
1: this mirror. That's the best thing. Mm. So I have the mirror. I feel stuck in my business. I remember, you know, my coach, Jeff, reminding me, Mario, take out the mirror. I take out the mirror. I look at the mirror. I look at myself. And then I remember your words. The problem is right here and the solution is right here. Where do I go from here?
0: Sure. It's taking action. So what is the problem that you're stuck on? So, you're six months behind trying to recruit a new VP of marketing because it's really hard to find good people. Not just now, but it has been for a long, long time. It's um. always hard to find real. It's not always hard to find people. Sometimes it's just hard to find people, but it's always really, really hard to find good people. And if you're already six months behind on your marketing position, by the time you get your sourcing candidates and you're reviewing people. Are you going to make one more bad decision about who your new VP of marketing is? Did you even decide in advance who your VP of marketing was? Do you have a job? I can't tell you how many corporate clients that I work with that don't even have a, a job description written for the role that they're sourcing. And not only just the role, if they don't have a job description, do they know the core values? What, what are the core values of their organization? Because if you don't go specifically try and hire a person who embodies the core values that you want in your organization, you might be searching for your next bad hire. And who wants to be, and that's how a CEO gets old. That's how you look in the mirror and you say, you know, I'm screwing this thing up because you're not intentional about the vision for your organization, who you are, core values, your product, your customer, your team. If, if you don't, If you that's a CEO's job is to cast the vision for all of those. Now you don't have to do all of the work, maybe solopreneur style you do, but a CEO's job is to go cast that vision and and create those, you know, work with your HR team, create those processes. So to me, after you ask the reflective question, right? And and again, Tony Robbins would say ask an empowering question, the next best thing you can do is take action on it. Like Think differently, go hire a coach, ask a mentor group, do what, you know, do something positive, fail forward faster, right? Like Mm -hmm. that's the answer.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I I like that answer. I think you've given a lot of great answers so far today. And as we come towards the end of our conversation, there's a couple more uh, questions that I have for you. One is how do you define freedom? I,
0: I, am a, I'm a novice, but, a, a practicing stoic. So stoicism is all about the gap in between what happens and what you, how you feel about what happens. Right. So James Stockdale was flying a plane over, you know, North Vietnam and he took a missile and his plane was going down. And before he pulled that ripcord and popped out of that plane, he said, I'm going into the world of Epictetus. Right he knew he had a long, perilous journey ahead of him, which would end up being like eight or ten years in a you know in a prison camp, you know one of the most horrific things in that you can imagine and he chose his response and he said, "I'm going into this world." He was the most senior person that was in the Hanoi hilton and and he never he never wavered right even though he took you know physical beatings and you know near death right." never wavered on his commitment because he was the most senior person. He was an American behind enemy lines. He was all of these other things. And he put all of that aside. And I would say he was living bigger than himself, right? He was living a mission that was bigger than him. And he made a choice. He knew that he was going into peril and likely death. And he said, this is my mission. So we always have a choice, right? Like you know uh, Maslow style—the the gap between, you know, who we are being and who we could
1: be—and
0: I, there's another place that I could spend the rest of my life trying to cross that gap, and I—and I will. I'll die trying.
1: The freedom of choice and really making the choices that you make conscious—that's what I'm hearing there, and choosing. How do you respond to the world rather than reacting to the world? That to me is the essentially the, the meaning of responsibility. That's right? the ability to respond. And when you do that, when you live a life of full responsibility, you live a life of full freedom. So I love that answer. One more question that I have for you, which I'm curious how you're going to respond. If you could spend one hour of your time for maybe lunch with any person in the world dead or alive who would it be and why
0: uh it would be Jim Rohn and so he Mm. is unfortunately dead um but he was the second mentor that I found after Tony he was Tony Robbins mentor and the reason that I not I mean he is next to my father the most powerful influence in my entire life and I've got a whole group of people that have been powerful influences in my life and I would just go spend an hour with him cuz if anything I would just thank him for the he is the voice that I needed to hear in 2009 right so I after crawling off that paper you know I I got the Tony Robbins stuff and I found out who Jim Rohn was and he spoke to me the way that I needed to hear it where he said you know essentially you've screwed up right but he didn't leave me there he said you've screwed up but And he had screwed up, right? And he said, but you don't have to stay here. Here's what you can do to be better. And then he lived his example. He showed the example of what it was like to live a a well-lived life. And so, but I would love to just, I would buy him lunch and I would thank him.
1: Mm, I will I will certainly join you for that conversation because just like you, Jim Rohn um, was, the, was the leading figure behind Tony Robbins and Tony Robbins was one of the people in my life that has played a significant major role. Mm. So I, lo- I love that. All right. Beautiful. Jeff, you also have one thing for our listeners that they can tune into. Please tell us about that and how people can find it.
0: Yeah. The best way is to find me on my website. So that's jeffeschleman.com. It's up here on the screen, but it's Jeff and then E S C H, L I, M A N E-S-C-H-L-I-M-A-N.com. And if you go on there, there's several different things you can do. You can contact me directly, but you could take a harmony assessment. We've mentioned that a couple of times where you can just do your own personal evaluation of Areas of your life that might need attention, and then we can use that info. You can use the information yourself to, you know, read some of the books, like, uh, sounds like we both have Mario, or um, I can give you feedback on that. I've also got videos on my website that break down all three of these processes in a little bit more detail. So, the one page Mm -hmm. plan, the Zen for success, and then we didn't get into it in great detail, but the Carpe diem, right? Again, where you operationalize what's happening in your life. So, The website's the best place to find me.
1: Perfect. And you also have, what I understand, a monthly webinar that you're running.
0: Correct. You can can actually sign up for that on the website itself.
1: Great. Beautiful. I will be sure to add all of that into the show notes. Uh, Jeff, thank you so much for being a, a wonderful guest. I have learned a lot. That's always a great sign. And I know that uh, our listeners also have learned a lot. I will give you the last words and then we am gonna close the show.
0: I'll just remind you of that last line for my core purpose because it's so powerful for me. And this is what I aspire to help the world do, which is be happy with what you have today while you are pursuing what you really, really want.
1: Thank you for sharing that. Thank you for sharing yourself with all of us. And thank you for listening to the Zenpreneur podcast. I will see you on the next episode.